the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello and welcome as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley Rutherford. I'm Kyle Welch. This program is part of an outreach ministry from Shepherd Church located in Los Angeles, California. Everything we do at Shepherd is based around John 3.14 that teaches us to lift up the name of Jesus that the world might believe. We want to come alongside you in your journey with God and help you become stronger in your faith so you can better serve Jesus and share him with others. Our pastor is Dudley Rutherford, and we join him right now with his message for us today. Jesus, of course, was a rabbi. He was a teacher. One time he was approached and asked, what is the greatest commandment? There's 630 commandments in the Old Testament. And he was asked, what is the greatest? What is the most important commandment? Jesus said the first and greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your strength, and all of your mind. And then he said the second commandment is like it, in that you are to love your neighbor as you love yourself. And then Jesus said something interesting. He said all of the commandments hang on these two commandments. In other words, the entire Bible can be summed up that our goal is to love God with all of our heart, our soul, our strength, and our mind, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. And the reality is, if we don't love God with all of our heart, and if we don't love one another, if we don't love this city, we will never reach this city. If we don't love this city, And so we're going to teach through the 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians. But then I want you to live these verses out for the rest of your lives. Can someone say amen? Amen. It says in the very first verse, let's just say, suppose, hypothetically, that I had the ability to speak a thousand different languages. I could speak the tongues of men, the languages of men. And not only can I speak the languages of man, I can speak angelic talk. I actually can speak and have the ability to converse with angels, and angels have their own specific language. Now, just to be clear, I can barely speak English, (laughs) just so you know. But imagine the speaking engagements you would acquire around this globe. Imagine the fame and the popularity and the news networks that you would be on. Why, your ability to prove that angels do exist and that you know how to talk to them. And you would make millions on the circuit being uh, willing or able to interpret any and all conversations and languages. And Paul writes, if I could speak the languages of men and of angels, but I did not have this thing called love, I would only be a resounding gong or a clanging what? In other words, all of my words would be meaningless, 
Write this down. Without love, we produce nothing. It doesn't matter how eloquent you are or how fancy your vocabulary might be or how many languages you speak. While you could speak all day, you would produce nothing but hot air if you didn't have love. Verse 2, he steps it up a notch. If I had the gift, not just talking, but I had the ability, the gift of prophecy, and I could fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I had a faith that could move mountains, but I didn't have love, I am nothing. Paul steps up this hypothetical challenge, and he talks about the gift of prophecy. This is not fortune-telling or future-telling. This is a God-ordained spirit-anointed ability to inspire people with your words and to preach the gospel and, and have what we call effective preaching where you speak, where people's hearts are touched and lives are changed, and you had that ability plus you could fathom all mysteries and all knowledge. In other words, you knew a billion times more than Google, so when you say, ask Siri, Siri called you up to ask the answer so you could give it out. And what he's saying here in verse 2, why, if you could preach the shoes off of a centipede and you knew the distance between the stars and you knew which came first, the chicken or the egg, or you knew the DNA sequence of every human being that has ever lived, or if you could move mountains at the whisk of your hand by the sheer power of your faith, that might be really cool. But if you didn't have love, you are nothing. You're nothing. All those abilities are worthless. And then in verse 3, stay with me, he takes it a step further. I want you to think about this just for a minute. Hypothetically, suppose you had the ability to speak a thousand different languages. You. Imagine that. You had the ability to speak a thousand different languages, and suppose that you knew all mysteries, and you understood all knowledge about all subjects. And imagine you possessed faith that you could speak and move mountains. There's a wee chance you might be a little self-absorbed, a little self-centered, a little cocky, so to speak, if you had those abilities. Is that true? Well, in verse 3, he takes it a step further because he said, if, and this is a much greater person if i had the ability to give everything i possess to the poor my house my car my clothes my money if i gave everything i had to the least of these and i was willing to lay down my life i didn't just have these abilities but i was willing to lay down my life and surrender my body to the flames paul says if i did all that and i didn't have love that I'd have nothing. Love is the epicenter of everything that is worthwhile. It is the epicenter of everything that matters. Write this down. Without love, we produce nothing. We are nothing. We gain nothing. We have 17 different characteristics of agape love. I want to give you three today. Number one, love is patient. Write that down. Love is patient. This is godly love. The world knows nothing about this kind of love. The Greek word is macrothumia. I want you to say that word, macro, thum, thum, ia. 
let's put it all together, macrothumia. And it means, write this down, macrothemia is to be long-suffering. I'll explain that to you. It, it means to suffer long is what it looks like, but it's more than that. It means that in the midst of the struggle that you're able to hang in there and not give up in your ability to love. It's, it's like a physician who is working with a patient who has a an incurable disease. There is no known cure, but that doctor keeps working. Even though there's no cure, he doesn't give up. Love is patient doesn't mean you sit back and do, you're in a tough situation and you sit back and you do nothing. I want you to write this down. It means that you keep moving forward. Even though you're struggling, you don't give up. You keep working. You keep striving for what God wants of you. To be long-suffering, now write this down, it means that when you're patient, that you're allowing God time to work. I'll explain. Most of the time that you lose your patience, it's with a person. Your husband. Your wife. Your children. Someone at work. You lose your patience with people. You feel like you got to correct this person. You got to yell or scream or correct. And to be patient means you don't you don't get in there and start fighting verbally. You just take a chill pill, sit back, and you let God have time to work in that person's life. Are you with me? The Bible says these words in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, the Lord is not slow in keeping His promise. The Lord is patient with who? Who? The Lord is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. I mean, think about how God has been patient with you. God could have turned us all into french fries like that. We've let God down so many times. But God's patient. And He's been patient with you. And as God has been patient with you, you need to be patient with other people. It's a love that never gives up. You're dealing with someone who is not following Christ. You're dealing with someone who is ignoring the Bible. And they act like they're never, ever going to follow the Bible. And you've got to deal with this person. Love is patient means that you don't get bent out of shape. Instead, you just allow God the time that he needs to work in that person's life. How many of you are thankful that Jesus or God was patient with you? Some of you should have been clapping a lot louder than that. And in the same way that God has been patient with you, you and I need to be patient with those who are not following Jesus Christ. Amen. Number two, love is kind. This is the word Christos. Christos, to my knowledge, this is the only place in the Bible that we actually have this Greek word. It means to do good when most people wouldn't or won't. I want you to write this down. It means to show oneself useful. 
to show oneself useful. And what that means is that wherever you go and whoever you meet, whenever you meet someone, that you try to do something that is useful for them. Does that make sense? I want you to write this down. It means that you do something that is in their best interest, not yours. And here's the kicker. Not expecting anything in return. Turn over to Luke chapter 6. Go over to Luke chapter 6 real quick. Jesus says these words in Luke chapter 6, verse 32. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Anybody can love someone who loves you, amen? Jesus said, even sinners love those who love them. You ever seen a bunch of sinners sitting at a table? They're having the best time of their life. They all love each other. Verse 33, and if you do good or you're kind towards those who are kind to you, what, 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 what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. Verse 34, Jesus said, and if you lend money to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. I mean, what what good is that? But then Jesus says these words in verse 35. I I say to you, love your what? Your what? Your what? The person who's trying to hurt you? The person who is speaking ill against you? the person that's trying to harm you, the person that holds prejudices against you. Jesus said, anybody can love someone who's nice to them. I say to you, love your enemies and do good. Be kind to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High, because God is kind to the ungrateful and to the wicked. Oh, that, that. Verse 36 says, be merciful just as your Father is what? Merciful. Now, I know this is, I know this is nothing too complicated, but I believe that most people like to be treated kindly. How many of you like to be treated kindly? If you don't raise your hand, we can be mean to you. (laughs) How many of you like to be treated kindly? We all do, don't we? The problem is we want to be treated kindly, but we're not always kind to others. God wrote this phrase, love is kind, because once you have experienced the kindness of God yourself, He wants you to live your life on this earth treating others the way He has treated you. Number three today is love does not envy. Love does not envy. The first two, patient and kind, for me is a picture of God because God is patient and God is kind. And then we turn to this list 
and as, as God describes love, and we'll go through this in the next few weeks, but he tells us some things that love doesn't do. Love does not what? Envy. You can look at the Greek word there, zelos, that looks like the word zeal, to be zealous. Is, means, uh, to be zealous for something means you have an intense passion and commitment towards something or someone. Write this down. It, the word envy, the Greek word, it means to be eager. Love is not eager for certain things. And, and now, it's good to be zealous for some things, but you can be zealous in, in some ways. It, 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 sometimes it's good, but sometimes it's bad. And here's when it's bad, and here's what he's telling us. Don't ever get bent out of shape over what other people have or what other people do. I want you to write this down. Do not be envious, he's saying, of what people have. Don't, don't look at people for what they have. Don't look at people for what they do. Look at people for who they are. And don't ever be envious or jealous over someone who has more than you. And if they have more than you, I will just let you on know in a little secret. They probably have more problems than you, to, truth be told. You, they just, you just don't know that. I have found people that have more than me have more problems than me. And you're saying, I wish I had that. Well, you're just asking for more problems. You just don't know the problems those people have. Her name was Rachel. And every time she lost a tooth, she'd put it underneath the pillow. And lo and behold, when she'd wake up the next morning, the tooth fairy left her $2. And Rachel loved losing teeth. <laughs> Until one day, a friend came over to her house, and her friend told her that when she loses a tooth and puts it underneath the pillow, that the tooth fairy gives her $10. And suddenly, Rachel is no longer content. She's envious. And so she asked her friend's mother, would you please call my mother and tell her which tooth fairy you use? <laughs> Dwight L. Moody was a famous preacher, and he told the story. He would use this in, in this point, this illustrating of a, a fable of an eagle who was envious of another eagle who could fly higher and longer. And the eagle once came across a hunter with a bow and arrow, and he asked, Would you, could you shoot that, that eagle down? And the hunter said, well, I could, but I need some feathers for my arrow. And so this eagle gave up a cup, took up some feathers, and he gave it to the hunter. And the hunter fired the arrow up into the sky, but the eagle flew a little bit higher, and he missed. And he said, I need some more feathers. And so this eagle kept giving feathers so the hunter could shoot down that eagle, which of course he never did. And eventually the hunter turned and killed the helpless bird who could no longer fly himself. I ask you, how many of us have become envious of what other people have? Write this down. You should never ever compare what you have to anybody else on this planet, ever. Because one of two things are going to happen. I hope you're with me. If you compare what you have to someone else and they have more than you, you will become envious of them. And if you compare yourself with someone who has less than you, then you get all puffed up because you think you have more than them. True love, everybody say true love. It doesn't, true love doesn't compare 
You just look at people genuinely and you consider what you could do that is in their best interest, whether they have a lot or whether they have a little, it doesn't matter on your behalf. You're just there to serve and to serve all people. As we prepare to close, let me tell you quickly three ways to overcome envy. Number one, write this down, focus on the kingdom of God. Stop worrying about the things of this world. Most of us, especially here in Los Angeles, there are people, but everywhere we go, we're just focused on the things of this earth. And if you would begin to simply focus on the things of God in your life, the Bible says to seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things will be added unto you. But don't worry about the things. Just figure out, focus, concentrate, look, be involved with things that are in the kingdom of God. And we could... We could change this city. Number two, develop an attitude of gratitude. Don't be concerned about what you have and don't have. Just be thankful for whatever you have. Some of you have never been to a third world country. You've never, some of you have never been. And you need to go. Because once you go, you will realize how most of the world would trade everything they have just to be in your shoes here today. Even those of you here today who think you're struggling, they would look at you as a wealthy person. The Bible says that we're to give thanks in all circumstances. To give thanks in all circumstances. Not just the good. Not just when everything is rosy-dozy in your life, but when you're struggling. We know that James 1 says that when you're when you're going through difficult times that God is stretching you, He's maturing you, He's developing character in you. When was the last time you got down on your knees when you were in the midst of a storm and said, God, I want to thank you because I, I know you're stretching me and you're growing my faith and you're causing me to trust in you more than I've ever trusted in you before. Give thanks in all circumstances. And number three, learn to be content. Learn to be content. Paul said in Philippians 4, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Everybody say, whatever. <laughs> I've learned to be content. You don't need more things. You need to have a relationship with Jesus Christ is what you need. It's a blessing for us to bring this program to you every day. We exist only by our faithful partners who support us through their prayers and financial gifts. If Pastor Dudley's message has been a blessing to you, we would like to encourage you to consider joining in partnership with us so we can continue to be here every day to bless others with this important ministry. Your gifts, whether large or small, are greatly appreciated and go directly to help keep us on the air. You can find out more about supporting us by calling our toll-free number, 888-818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. We have operators standing by and ready to take your call. You can also support us by going to our website, liftupjesus.com forward slash reach. 
That address again is liftupjesus.com forward slash and then the word reach. If you're like me, you've discovered there are some books in the Bible that are not always easy to navigate through. Like for instance, the book of Proverbs. Proverbs contains 31 chapters and can be very daunting to go through if you are looking for a specific topic. That's why Pastor Dudley has created the perfect resource to help you with the book of Proverbs. It's called Proverbs in a Haystack, and it is our special offer for everyone listening today. Proverbs in a Haystack removes the challenge of searching through the book of Proverbs. It has over 2,000 topics that easily cross-reference to the exact chapter and verse you are looking for. This invaluable resource can be yours right now for a gift of any size to the Lift Up Jesus radio ministry. You can receive your copy of Proverbs in a Haystack by calling us at 888-818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. You can also order this book directly from our website, liftupjesus.com. That address again is liftupjesus.com. We know you will be blessed by this unique resource created exclusively by Pastor Dudley. So be sure to call right now and ask for your copy of Proverbs in a Haystack today. I'm Kyle Welch, inviting you to join us tomorrow at this same time as we again lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley.